Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. I am Chad Russell, the co-host, and I host with my co-host over there, <laughs> Kurt Souter of uh, Further Still Ministries. And uh, we are a show for men by men. Uh, we know lots of ladies listen, and that is great because uh, we want someone to listen. And uh, so we have lots of folks that listen, come up to us and say, hey, we enjoy the show. And uh, But we, our primary audience of who we're talking to are the guys. And we talk to the guys as fathers and as husbands and as employers, as employees, all the different aspects of life. And if you're just t- tuning in for the very first time, we appreciate you listening uh, we at this show believe that you have a destiny as a man and you are not fulfilling your destiny as a man if you are not walking with Jesus Christ. Um, and that's sometimes that's just religious gobbledygook to some people. But on this side of it, when you've experienced the transformation that God can do in your life, uh, you understand that's that's living. And that's really uh, what we are about here. And we're not trying to give you the magic pill, but we're just trying to be a tool in your toolbox, men. There's a lot of noise out in the world. And you're up, we're in a, a lot of competition against a lot of different things. So we just want to be a voice of truth that can help you in your walk. Now, the past four weeks, four weeks? Four weeks. Four weeks. We started four weeks ago with Ken Eidelman, and he came on and was just unloading dump loads of wisdom on us. I mean, he was just a great uh, guest. But he kicked off a four-week, now fifth-week series called Shepherding a Child's Heart, by book by Ted Tripp. And the whole premise of this book is you don't just parent the outside of the child, their behavior, you have to get to their heart. And how in the world do you do such a thing? So if you want to hear the past four weeks, we've unpacked that from birth all the way up to now we walked into the teenagers. I just get freaked out saying that because I'm two years away now from less than 24 months now from having a teenager in my house, which absolutely makes me want to crawl under this desk and never come out. Oh, Chad, and your life will never be the same. Thanks so much. We're going to have another show. It's called Get Chad Out From Underneath the Desk. So we're going to talk this week, finishing up about how do we shepherd a child's heart? What does it look like as a teenager and kind of going into that season of life? So Chad... Uh, shepherding a child's heart. Just l- listen to this. This is really cool. Um, in Proverbs 3, just, just the first few verses, it says, keep my commands in your heart. And then in verse uh, 3, it says, write them on the tablet of your heart. In verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's, it's really interesting how many times the Bible talks about the heart. and and uh, But us guys can so struggle with uh, just stop the bad behavior. And... Uh, so we got we, we we just counted the number of kids that are represented in this room. How many we got, Chad? I think it's twenty. My my thirteen years of Catholic education tells me we have twenty <laughs> kids in this room. So Brad Ricca, you got four kiddos. We do, yes. And uh, you, you are now uh, robustly moving into the teenage years. We we yes, <laughs> we're I think a month into it. My oldest is thirteen, oh. so. Uh, yeah, we're learning as yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah, that's why we wanted you and Gabe on there. And Gabe, and you've got four kiddos. That's right. Thirteen on down to four, five. Five years old. Yes. Nice. Oh man, we yes. got it covered. Yeah. So, so well, you're uh, the you're the you're the resident expert. Oh then. my word. Yeah. Well, that's we're here to learn from you. That's Kurt. that's dangerous. Actually, we're not here to. Learn. We're just here to hide. <laughs> we are here to hide from. <laughs> I'm our okay kids. with that as well. Let's go into hiding. <laughs> so, uh, um, 
guys, I uh, I love chapter 17 because, he, he, again, he's going after the heart. Let's just not address the behavior. He starts out with this chapter about if you got two siblings and the kids are fighting. You know, they're screaming at one another. And we as parents, every one of us, we are, are going to address this issue. Either by we, 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 we walk into another room and we just say, no, they're just going to fight it out. Or we, we, you know, we ho- as parents, we holler at them. We, you know, sometimes we scream back at them. Or we tell them you know, they're fighting over a toy, you know. Well, we pull the toy from the kid who's got it and we give it to the other kid and we make them share it for 10 minutes each. Or, I mean, we all are doing something when there's chaos in the home. Brad, you, you're really Yeah, or kind of desperate, right, to figure out what works. You know, when Ted Tripp was talking about this and he makes the comment here that we wonder if there's some satisfying way to deal with these disputes. I'm like, yeah, full of wonder for sure. <laughs> day by day thinking, is this right? Is this right? What's the best way to handle these situations? It's, uh, it can be very difficult. Yeah. And that's just a, just a little scenario of kids squabbling over a toy. Right. Uh, and, Gabe, what are you going to say? Well, I think that, you know, it's always important, and this book really points out the importance of shepherding the heart, shepherding the heart and not focusing on behavior, and especially as you get into teenage years. You know, Brad and I were, were talking about, we're, we're both relatively new at this, with, with our oldest being 13, and one of the things that really jumped out to me was, you know, avoid treating these teenagers, these older kids, like you do with younger children. You know, it's it's really a move more to influencing and, and focusing on appealing to the conscience and how important that is, especially as they get older, because that, that you can't parent like, you know, we're, we got pretty good, not perfect, but pretty good at parenting young kids. And now we've got at least one teenager and soon to be two in the house. And we've got to adjust our style, you know, yeah, based on their age. I, I mean, we really do have to adjust because you can't you can't treat your 13 year old like your five year old. I mean, you really have to begin um, making some shifts. And it's getting more and more complex, right? Because you have to stop and think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like, at least with younger kids, you can more quickly come to a conclusion this is probably the best path. But with a teenager, it seems so complex. What is she thinking right now? What's the best next step to help in the situation? Yeah, I, I mean, when, when we think about uh, our job is, is to address the heart, even in, when they're young, even yeah. you know, as a sec- two, two, three, four year old, five year old. Uh, but it's, it does seem to be easier that we can kind of control things a little bit better. At least we think so, right? Y- yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but as, as they move older, how critical it is that we are addressing the heart. I love what he says, and, G- and Gabe, you, you introduced it. Uh, you know, he talks about appealing to the conscience. Um, he says, if you wish to deal with character and not just with behavior, you must deal in a deep way that enables your child to see the implications of his behavior and to indict himself. Like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Kurt, it, it makes me think of, of uh, you know, that, that appealing to the conscience point was really stood out to me a lot in this yeah. chapter. And, you know, one of the interesting things that, that was mentioned in this chapter is the fact that appealing to the conscience, a child doesn't even necessarily have to be a believer in order to be able to appeal to their conscience. And this is actually a way to point them to the realities and application of the gospel, you know, by appealing to their conscience. It's it's just so fundamental. Yeah, because again, when we address the heart issue, we need, we're helping them point them to their need of a savior. Exactly. 
Chad, you were going to say something? Well, I was just going to say that uh, in this same section, he makes a great reference to how Jesus, he writes here, he consistently dealt with the conscious, forcing men to judge themselves and their motives. If I look at my child and say, what you're doing is wrong as a two-year-old, that's one thing, because you cannot touch that light or you cannot uh, touch the stove or whatever it might be. But when I look at my 10, 11, and 11-year-old who's rapidly heading into the teen years, is he's going to have to be able to ask himself the, that question, what am I doing? He has to self-control. He has to uh, self-teach himself. If, if, if it's, I cannot be there all the time looking at him saying, don't do this or do that. So this conscious goes with him even when I don't. Yes. Our kids' conscience goes with them for the rest of their life, even when I'm not there. So what voice are they hearing in their head as they are not around us? Because we had one of our boys go out somewhere for a few hours with some other people who was going to be with some other people. And we're like, he's out there now by himself. And what is his conscience saying? That was. Kind I of, mean, yeah, if we can teach them to begin to listen to really the, the Holy Spirit. Right. But listening to the Holy Spirit and you're going, how do you do that as a, you know, 10 year old, you know, right. a, you know, 13 year old as kid. a 44 year old. I yeah, mean, the I reality mean, of it is we we're not even doing that great. I say we I'm not even doing that great myself sometimes. Yeah, speak for yeah, yourself. Yeah, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's all you, Chad. We're fine over here. <laughs> yeah. It's I you. mean, Gabe and Brad and I, we're, we're doing yeah. really well. This you side know? of the room is fine. It's over here where there's the issues. I get it. No, um, I, I, I love what again, what Jesus does many times he would tell a story. So many times what we can do is we can tell a story um, to our kids. And I, I think one of the ways that uh, Kristen and I used to do it, you know, when the kids were young, would be we would try to, to, to share stories when we blew it hmm. and how the Lord helped us. And and we could see where we blew it. Did, did you guys blow it often? No, I'm just oh, oh, just a couple times. Yeah. Just, oh well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your honesty. But, but you know, Jesus tells these stories, and and I, I'm I'm thinking of the story of David in the Old Testament when he is in the middle of committing adultery with Bathsheba, and Nathan the prophet comes to him and he tells him the story. I mean, Nathan could have walked up and said, David, you have committed adultery. You have sinned. You have blown it. You, 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 know, and he doesn't. He says, you know, let me tell you a story. And he tells him the story and David goes, that guy needs to be, you know, and, and Nathan goes, uh, that would be you. And David, his immediate response was, you're right. I've, I've sinned. And if we can help our kids almost kind of self-indict when there is sin, mm-hmm. that's, that's a huge victory. And Kurt, you yeah. know, of the four of us, you, you are the one, I think, of, of the four of us with older kids, you know, with kids that are married, with kids that are kind of grown up, that are following the Lord. And I know I need to constantly remind myself of the motivation because my tendency is to want to address behavior, even in the teenage years. Yeah. They're doing something I don't like. I want to address it. Really, what's my goal? You need to be on a more longer sight. You know, my goal is that they would know and follow Christ as their Savior. And that's what I'm parenting to. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. And in, in the next segment, we're going to talk about the, the T word. We're going to talk about teenagers and how do you do make this transition from talking to an eight year old to a 13 year old and how you talk to them differently. And also, 
Ted Tripp has a really interesting definition of what character is, and we're going to unpack that more in the upcoming and next segment. Thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. I'm Chad Russell. That's Kurt Souter, and we're talking today about shepherding a child's heart, the teen years. And uh, we're going to hit on uh, being uh, the parent of a teenager coming up. And uh, the last segment we talked about character, and you want to talk about character, let's talk about Ellen and Credit Union. They have been around since 1954, and that's, uh, you don't stick around that long. Here's our mission statement. It says to bring people together to enrich their quality of life and build permanent relationships. That's got character written all over it. So Ellen and Credit Union, we want to thank them for being a great pillar in our community and also a sponsor of our show and in another group, company that has lots of character is Vision First. Vision First, as you know, it was started in 1987 by Dr. Rod Rollo, who is still my optician. Optician, what is that? The guy yeah, who looks at your eyes. Yeah, just the eye doctor. Optometrist, that sounds better. <laughs> and uh, we thank them for being, uh, not only for taking care of my eyes, uh, but also for taking care of this community and being a sponsor of our show. So, uh, Chad, we talked about really we're going after character development. Yeah, I like the definition that he uh, – it's a, it's a different take. I've always heard character is who you are when no one's looking type deal. And, then, and, and that's, that's a, good. But he has a really good take on this. He says character could be defined as living consistently with who God is and who I am, hmm. which I think is um, – you know, if you can look at the world through that lens – who God is and who I am, boy, you're you're ahead of the game. You know, um, and going back to who God is and who I am, and our our need of a Savior. One one of the things that you know, as a pastor for all these years, it it it's it's exciting to see you know a, an eight, nine, ten, twelve year old kid give their life to Jesus and be you know to be baptized and publicly profess Christ. But many times I'll hear a parent say, oh. There, you know, you know, kind of almost like we've completed the task, and I'm like, uh, you just started, <laughs> you know, um, you've just gotten out of the gate, and uh, now you have the rest of their life to continue to help guide them and shepherd them, and uh, it's and really our the goal is really. Uh, Brad, what you pointed out in the last segment, long, long term. We're not, we're not talking just a few years. We're talking how do we help our kids in such a way that their their kids they they they're learning how to shepherding their their own kids' hearts one mm-hmm. day, so that our kids, grandkids, and great grandkids can really come to know and walk and love Jesus Christ. So, Kurt, I've got a question for you. You know, I think a lot of guys are like me at times feeling like I don't know what I'm doing in my, my role as father. Um, in this, on this topic with character, Ted Tripp makes the comment on here, you cannot try to build good qualities of a character without, with, within him, your child, without reference to God. And so I find at times I'm thinking, oh, somehow I've got to make this connect to our faith. And I'm in a conversation talking to my 13-year-old, and I feel so clunky sometimes, like, failure in conversation because is is she thinking dad that doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. you know so your kids are a little bit beyond where mine are did you have those moments where you felt like i totally blew that hopefully they got something out of it <laughs> and hopefully they didn't record it because if they play it back i'm going to be really disappointed with what i said <laughs> oh totally like i mean all the time i i i, I as i was reading this uh, piece of you know rereading this book i mean i have read and reread and reread this book 
over the years because I got to be reminded. But I, I vividly remember when I made uh, really embarrassed Drew in front of the cute in, in junior high. He was in junior high, in middle school, and I embarrassed him in front of the cute neighbor girl. That's terrible. It was like uh, you know. Does I'm he like, still hold that against you? He, he does. <laughs> I'm sure he does. <laughs> no. uh, you know, um, I, I I remember because sometimes we we create rebellion in our kids. We don't mean mm-hmm. to. We don't get up in the morning and go, how can I create rebellion in my kids' lives, you know? But what I was doing, I, I embarrassed him, and I said, hey, buddy, what you know? what's wrong? As he got out of the car and was walking to school, and he turned around, and kind of with clenched teeth, he said, dad, you embarrassed me. I'm like, yeah. oh, Oops. my golly. You know, and I think one of the greatest things that we can do, I couldn't wait for him to come home that afternoon and say, Drew, I am so sorry i blew it with you mm. i that was so so wrong of me and uh, i think when we as dads when we can truly say i was wrong um i i sinned against you um would you please forgive me i i think that's when we can really make uh, now if we're doing that all the time <laughs> That, now that's a whole other issue. That, that's a major me issue, right? Yeah, yeah. A major. But, uh, you know, I, I, I can remember uh, I, Ivy's verse back uh, when she was growing up was this little redhead. Brad, you're redhead. This is uh, this fiery uh, per- don't, personality. Don't she had a temper. I'm sure she did not. That's a <laughs> she was just, stereotypical she was, she was strong. statement. She was just strong. I and like that. I, she was strong. Bold? Was she bold, too? Uh, yeah, she was bold. <laughs> but, you know, the, um, her verse was uh, that, that we gave to her was, let your gentleness be evident to all, because she just needed some gentleness. And I remember we were driving down the road, and all, all of us were in the car together, and she was being really harsh with her baby sister, younger sister. And I said, Ivy, let your gentleness be evident to all. You know, and... It was probably very effective in that moment. It was incredibly effective. <laughs> My dear wife, uh, she, honey, uh, gentleness. I'm like, oh my goodness, you know. And you got, you, we got to apologize, and we got to make things right, you know. But when we, and, and when, when, when we don't, that's when we can create some rebellion in our kids, and there can be a heart issue that that, that helps build build up. Yeah. You're gonna say something, Gabe? Well, no, I just. Um, that story that you told, it, it's so important to listen. And I know that for me, that's hard, right? I, I need to do a better job listening. I need to be more patient. Um, and, and I have a, a wonderful superhero wife. Katie does a great job of reminding me just like that, sometimes in direct ways, sometimes, you know, I'm like, hey, be a little more tactful because I make mistakes all the time. But uh, being attentive to those reminders, that little tap on the leg to say, hey, be gentle, you know, that. I need those reminders. Oh. And uh, so just, just, I'm thankful for that. Just hearing you talk about that, I'm thankful for having a helper, um, a, a superstar wife in my life that will help me see those times. Now, I just got to make sure I listen, you know, and, and, and adjust. And, well, I, and I think that's the key, you know, as dads, we've, we've got to really partner with our wives right. and what this helping this whole shepherding a heart, you know, really looks like. You know, I think, in addition to partnering with our wives, it's doing our best to listen to the Spirit somehow, right? Yes. Because especially for any single dads out there who are thinking, hey, it's great that you have a wife that taps you on the leg to remind you to be gentle, but <laughs> I don't have a wife. And so how do I do this when there's not someone there to remind me who I'm supposed to be? But that's the Holy Spirit, right, that says, 
wow, you know, be gentle in this moment or go back and say, you're sorry and ask for forgiveness, you know, if you've been too, too harsh with your child. I think one of the ways that when we think about teenagers and helping them understand where we're headed is, is if we can begin to slowly paint a picture of that one day that they will be a parent and one day they will even be a grandparent and how we want for them that their kids and their grandkids, you know, like I remember years ago we were praying around the coffee table and I was impressed by the Lord to have my kids begin to pray for their kids and to pray for their grandkids. And I remember Ellie looked up and she goes, Daddy, I'm not even married yet, you know. But, I, but I, if we can begin to help them understand, hey, life is a lot more than just the here and now. You know, that connects so much with what Trip talks about with a long-term vision. And I don't think that way. I tend to think about, like, what's next in the next five minutes or hour. But he talks about having this vision for your kids. That's a good example of having a vision for what I want my kids to see in their kids and their grandkids and to begin to pray for them. I mean, you're thinking about generations to come. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I think, it, I, and we don't have to do that in a preachy way. We can just like, hey, uh, what would you, what would you do? I, I mean, I do that not Nancy, and I do that now with our stepdaughter who's now ready to go off to college. But hey, Peyton, what, um, what, what do you think you would do if if your daughter was 15? How would you handle that situation? And begin to help them see, hey, life is how we live is really critical and uh, the here and now so uh go ahead chad well, i was going to say here that he, he gives this tangible example about he's let's take talk take the character quality of dependability and he's got these two columns here where he says one column who god is okay who god is he made me he placed me here at this time he is ultimate i must stand before him one day i must give account before him he has promised to draw near to those who are humble and contrite in heart he will help me to know his strength and aid i know him and the ability to obey him. I, or he has promised blessing to those who are dependable. Okay, that's the who God is aspect of it. Now, who the I am part of it for the child. The child being taught, I am a creature. I have been made by God for God. He has placed me here at this time and given me these opportunities. I must bring glory and honor to him. As I draw near to him and seek his face, he will enable me to obey him. I can come to know his help and strength God promises to give grace to all who uh, call upon him. And I think whoever mentioned it earlier in the show, we have to get out of the horizontal with our kids. If we just teach them the horizontal, our plane of walking this way, acting this way, we have to turn this vertical. Mm-hmm. We have to say this is a much bigger picture. There's there's multiple people in this in this in this story. It's you, it's me, and it's God. And yeah. it's not just you and me. And I can't tell you how many times during prayers, two nights ago I prayed this prayer. Dear Lord, please help these boys see past their really bad father sometimes to mm. see their perfect father. Mm. Because I had to pray that prayer because it was at that moment, an hour earlier, I wasn't a great dad. But I kept I keep telling the guys, I'm not the end game here, boys. I'm going to die. 
and you will have your father in heaven who'll be with you. So it's, it's that idea of saying, we're not parenting for, for you and me. We're parenting for him and uh, upwards. So, that's good. That's all right, good so stuff. I'm rambling. We're going to take no, a break. That's good stuff, bro. And uh, we're going to come back. And now we're, we've been avoiding it. Now we're going to jump into the teenager portion of this. I got to go. <laughs> no, the resident expert is here. Kurt's okay. raised four of them. So, uh, you know, and he's got two more now he's working with. So it's like, hey, you all have got a, the teen. You're right up to your ears in teenagers. So we're going to talk a little bit more about how to raise a teenager, not just uh, not just by instruction, but and or through through authority, but actually having some influence on a teenager. Is that possible? You could actually influence a teenager. We'll take a break on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our third segment of Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell, Kurt Satter. We are here with Brad and Gabe talking about. Uh, raising children, walking through the book, shepherding a child's heart. If you have missed the first three segments, or excuse me, first two segments, and the past four weeks, we are going through this book. It's a great book, Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. How do you not just parent behavior, but actually get to the inside and heart of a child? It's possible. And how do you get to the inside of your septic system? Well, you don't need to worry about that. You need to let Frank Enterprises worry about that. Nice because segue. That, thanks. Because uh, that's what they do. They've been doing it since 1997, I think it is. Over 20 years, they have been working with septic systems and any type of uh, irrigation issues. You've got land drainage in your, in your uh, properties. Frank Enterprises is a partner with us, and you want to uh, let them do that. And also Bright Star Care. I, I cannot think of an of a industry that is more important these days they are they can be your home care services uh, go-to people personal care transitional care alzheimer's and dementia care medication management if you know someone who's going to need some help living independently or even maybe dependently bright star care helps do that so chad um in this and brad and gabe three foundations that we really want to lay out um, for our teenagers and the first that he mentions in the book is we have to help them understand the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And he says, but fools, quoting Proverbs 1, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Your teenage child is on the threshold of life independent from you. And so we, what we want to is instill them that they need God. And that there's a healthy fear of God. Now, fear, not of shaking in their boots fear, but a fear of awe and reverence and worship and honoring him. Yeah, I've, and, one uh, of the things I've been telling the boys, we're going through the book of wisdom, and I, I define fear as extreme respect. Just extreme respect. I mean, that is what fear, not terror, but respect. And, and that is just, I'm trying to get that over and over, extreme respect is what fear is of God. Well, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Brad. And, you know, Ted Tripp adds here, he says, you know, living in fear of God means living in the realization of accountability to him. And I had never really thought of the fear of the Lord that way before. I always think of it as respect for who he is and how, how holy he is. And But this realization of my accountability to him, mm. it kind of puts that relationship into perspective. Well, mm. in, in, in our culture today is that, that we have a low view of God. Right. And what we are trying to do as parents, especially I mean, when they're little, but especially when, when they're teenagers, to give them a, 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 a high view of God. Gabe, you're yeah. going to say something? No, you, you touched on a key point there. The contemporary evangelical culture suffers from a low view of God, you know, and then that, that carries over to finding your identity, you know, fear of God, finding your identity in God. Um, bondage 
you know, that part of the book talked about bondage is living for the approval of others. Yes. And, and I, you know, I experienced that as a teenager. I see that in a lot of teenagers where they just appear to be living for someone else, parent, a, a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it is. They're more focused on that versus on God, whereas freedom is really having a holy indifference to the opinion of others. In other words, it's really finding your identity and who you are in Christ and Christ alone. And, and that takes a lot of work as, as parents. I, and, and this is not, uh, I mean, we're not going to hit bat a thousand here. I mean, b- but if, if we can have that as our goal, so uh, we're, we're praying that over our kids. We're praying for them. We're praying with them. We're, we're continuing to help them understand this, this view of God. I, I, I love what he says here. Sober your children with the realization that a major theme of over a third of the Bible is judgment. Now, God is a God of love and grace and compassion and care, but there's also, there's consequences. You know, you reap what you sow. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And um, so teaching them, hey, we, we need God, and we need to be dependent upon him. You know, it occurs to me also when he talks here about uh, shepherding your teenagers toward living out of their, you know, the fear of God rather than the fear of man. Mm. For a lot of us as dads... We have to battle with that, mm-hmm. some form or another, or the approval of man. We fall into that trap, and so if we're in that, in the midst of that, you know, not sure about our identity in Christ, it makes it so much harder to lead our children to where they need to be with the Lord. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that's a huge point, Brad, because we, we as dads, we don't understand our identity in Christ. We think our identity is is how much money we make, or or where we work, or the corporate. Cl- ladder that we're climbing or what we own, the house, the car we drive, all, all, all those things. No, 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 no. Our identity is who we are in Christ. And it's mentioned over and over again throughout the Bible. And if we are walking in that identity, our kids, again, we're modeling the way. They'll begin to maybe not, they might not be able to articulate with words, but they know dad's relationship with God is critical. It is the is the most important part of his life, and uh, that's good stuff. Kurt, that's what brought that's what brought me back. You know, my my teenage years were tragic. You know, I made a lot of bad decisions, hurt a lot of people, and by the grace of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, He saved me, and and I repented of those sins and was forgiven. During and it, right before that, it talks about rebellion, right? And so, finding your identity in Christ, being rooted in that with this rebellion, I, I remember as a teenager getting to that crossroads of having to make a decision, and I knew the one thing I did know, one, is I had, a, I had parents that prayed consistently for me during a period of rebellion. That was really critical, but two, I knew that what they believed was real. And, and at the end of the day, I had no excuse. I knew they really believed this stuff. That it wasn't just, you know, we're going to church because that's what we do. So I knew as a, as a now a older teenager getting to ready to make that own, you know, we talk later on in the book about kind of owning, internalizing the gospel and owning it. I knew the direction I needed to head in. So that's also a prayer for my wife and I. We want to model that for the kids. We, we want them to know that we really, our hearts have been changed and our lives, our identity is in Christ. So when they get to that full decision point, they have had that example in front of them and they know the direction. Now they can choose. They'll choose their own path. 
Yes. But we want them to be without excuse to not give them a reason to say, well, you guys were fake. You know, you guys really didn't believe that. Warts and all, mistakes and all. You know, the kids see all that, right? The, uh, the, our kids can smell incongruency a mile away. Mm-hmm. They can see it. They can smell it. They, they, and that's why it's so critical. We're not gonna, we're not gonna do it perfectly, but if we can do it authentically, a, a true, authentic fear and love for God, they will see. That's what you, that's what you're saying. That's what you saw in your mom and dad. Correct. Yeah. So, what does that look like, though? Right? We talk so much about the love of God. You know, God loves me. He cares for me. He sent Jesus to die for me. And we can get wrapped around that theme so much that then to talk about fear of God and that being so important, that can seem incongruent. Why should I fear God? Because he loves me so much and he'll forgive me of my sins. You know, so when you're talking to a teenager and trying to help them understand what it means to fear God, how do you go from this focus on love and Mm. acceptance to, but there's also this aspect of God that is just, mm-hmm. and we have to think about that and, and, and respond to him in that way as well. Well, I, I, I think, again, we, we have to point to passages mm-hmm. of you know, we, God allows, we reap what we sow. And when we, when we begin to sow disobedience, when we sow you know, a heart that's wandering, we're going to reap the consequences of that. But I, Brad, as you're asking that question, immediately what goes back to when I was a teenager, I vividly remember my dad, you know, growing up on a farm and we needed rain. The crops need rain, the pasture, the, the grass for the cows, we need rain. And my, I can, my dad with earnestness would say, family, we, we need to pray. We have to pray. We have to have rain or we have no crops. Mm -hmm. And I can remember when the rain would come. And I would watch my dad look to the heavens and thank him. And I'm going, this is not some make-believe superstitious uh, stuff this is this is a guy this is a man this is my dad who loves and fears god and needs him mm-hmm. and when we when we live with i need a savior i need a heavenly father um i think our kids can can tell that mm-hmm. right. as christian men we need to also just uh dive into the word with, with the kids. You know, uh, Ted Tripp in his book talked about make it a point to read through major and minor prophets with your teenagers, yes. you know, Old Testament, just to get this grasp of this amazing, unchanging God that we serve. Uh, have you done that? I haven't done that yet. I'm thinking if I we're, pull out. We're just at 13. So <laughs> <laughs> I read that. So again, Jonah, yeah. we'll do Jonah, right? But right. yeah, some of that stuff, you're like, wow, what's it's it going to be like? My yeah. kids are going to look at me and say, are you serious? We're reading all this. But to bring them to the truth, right? To understand who God is. I just remember in DC, Kurt, you know, going through discipleship, how painful that was to read through Ezekiel and Jeremiah and stuff like that. But I just thought it was a, it was a a fair point, you know, to in the book to say, well, but it does come back, Kurt, to what you were describing is really seeing and experiencing the grandness of God. Absolutely. I, I, I think one of the things that we can do is we sure, what you're doing, Chad, with your two oldest is, you know, reading through the Proverbs, with your kids, but also being men who approach the scriptures. I, I, I joke around it, but it's so true. My, my dad, <laughs> he would go down to the John every morning and he would read the Bible 
and I'm going, he is killing two birds with one stone. I've always, <laughs> I've always struggled with that. Like, I feel like. Don't it's take too the sacred. To the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I've got other stuff I'm worried about in there. So we need to learn from your dad. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back for our fourth and final segment, talk more about raising teenagers and also kind of wrapping this up and, and what it means to, to shepherd our children's hearts. So we're going to take a final break and be back for our last segment on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our fourth and final segment of Solid Steps Radio. If you were just clicking on the radio and hearing us, thank you for listening. We hope you come back. Uh, but you missed a whole lot these first three segments. We've been talking about shepherding a child's heart with Ted Tripp. We've been uh, not with Ted Tripp, his book, Ted Tripp. We're with Brad and Gabe. But we're talking about the book, Shepherding a Child's Heart. And the first three segments we talked about uh, really just how do we have identity with our teach our kids in, in eternal uh, identity and uh, the last couple of segments we've been talking about teenagers and uh, we've hit on a couple of different segments and we also want to thank our sponsor Dan Hart Financial if you want to take your finances that God has given you and you want a wisely investment because wisdom has been a common theme in raising kids and you want to be wise with your money Dan Hart Financial helps you do that with uh, the gifts that God has given you. So for every teenager, they need at least uh, three things. <laughs> they probably need more than that, but three <laughs> things that he covers. The first one uh, we touched on, the fear of the Lord, mm-hmm. the fear of God. And then the second one he says is, you know, adherence to parental instruction. You know, and, and I love what he says here, that when our kids see in us a source of wisdom and insight, of, of instruction, of you know, like that's now they're not going to go. Oh, oh, daddy, you are so uh, such profound so, godliness. Yes. Uh, that's what that's what your kids do. Right, Chad? No, I was reading through the Proverbs. This is a quick story. Adhering to parental instruction. I was teaching them about adultery because it was that's what it said in the Proverbs. And I said, guys, and then I'm like, OK, adultery is when someone does something with someone else's wife that they're supposed to be doing with their wife. Good job. And that that's was all good. the details I needed that's to good. go into, right? I'm going to use that here this soon. This was an 11-year-old and a 9-year-old. Well, it turns out they're a real-life family. Somebody we know is getting divorced, and he says, why are they getting divorced? Like, he doesn't understand it. And we, Jenna goes, because they committed somebody committed adultery. And then he repeated back to her. I overheard him say, so they did something with someone's wife they're supposed to do with their own. And I'm like... This is us teaching them wisdom that they don't get, but then when life smacks them in the face, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's something they've heard, right? So this adherence to parental instruction, we're not instructing them for the moment. We're instructing them for what's maybe going to happen and what they're going to run into. Yeah, and, and that goes uh, with the whole area of pornography. It goes with the whole area of, you know, the opposite sex, you know, and dating and being attracted to the, you know, I mean, we as dads, we have got to talk about these types of things with our kids. Uh-huh. And they begin to see in us that mom and dad have, they're out for my best interest. Now they don't, they don't always go, oh, let's go see what dad has to say about this. But it's our job to instruct and to guide them. You yeah. guys thoughts Se- on that? Seeking them out, you know, being proactive and approachable source of wisdom for our kids. And not just in times when they need correction, but in times when things are going well. Yes. You know, coach into them and use those as opportunities. Use the good as well as the bad. Yes. You know, he also says uh, then the third thing that our teenagers need is uh, – to learn disassociation from the wicked, you know, staying away 
from the bad guys. Gabe, you pointed out that Proverbs talks about over and over again. Yeah, I um, mean, anytime, you know, and, and the book points that out, but, you know, all the Proverbs say, you know, come join us, throw in your lot with us, join us as we do these bad things. So really the appeal of the wicked is association, it's camaraderie. And if we're not creating that in our homes, if we're not creating a, a, a joyful place to be, excitement in our homes, you know, I know, again, part of my story was, unfortunately, I, that is all too true. The wicked will find you. You will always find the wicked. It's so appealing that the association with the wicked, and of course, show me your friends, I'll show you your future, right? So if we want our kids to avoid or learn wisdom and how to avoid throwing their lot in with the wicked, let's create that structure in our home of a place to be an identity in the family. Um, because it's, it's so, you know, that recognizing that as a, as a camaraderie attraction is, is very important because then we create a counter balance in our home, right? To, to pull them in and, and make them not want to throw their lot in with the, with the wicked. Yeah. I mean, he, uh, Proverbs says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And, uh, you, you talk about those things with your kids and and you remind them over over and over again. You know, when you walk with solid people, you're going to grow solid. Brad, you going to say something? Well, I was just thinking. You know, it's when you're coming into the teenage years. If you're going to have this philosophy of like making the home a good place to be, and Ted Tripp talks about having a solid relationship with your kids, it's good to come into that. But if I'm just now starting out, and my kids 16, 17, 18 years old, or whatever, I'm thinking it's too late. How do I do this? The reality is it's not too late to start forming a solid relationship, but it goes back to being desperate, right? Desperate in prayer. Yes. God, how do I do this? And I, I feel like I should just throw in the towel because I've failed. But, you know, I, no, it's today's a new day and we start today and teenagers, our kids are worth it for us to pursue them and try to create a place where they're known, where they, they know that we love them and care for them despite how hard they might make it. Yeah, and you know, we're talking about teenagers, but I, I know of a man who was divorced from his wife, remarried, um, had a kind of a train wreck and a whole bunch of situations, but it was not too late. The kids, all the kids were grown adults. And he went back and he, he gathered his former wife, his stepkids, his own kids, and he just all together said, I have sinned against all of you. I've mm-hmm. failed to be the man that I you know, was called by God to be, and would you please forgive me? And the whole room was in tears of God's spirit was just really moving, but it took the courage of that one man saying, it's not too late, and I will make things right as best as I can. And and now he has a great relationship with his kids and his stepkids Mm -hmm. because of the bold, courageous move that he did to own his his shortcomings, own his, you know, how he blew it, mm-hmm. and to make things right. There's probably multiple ways you can create that atmosphere in your home. You know, maybe it's a game night, maybe it's movie night, you know, whatever. Maybe it's an intentional time of worship. You know, the book mentioned that. Yes. You know, I know kind of personalizing this for me, you know, and it's a segue into chapter 19 where it talks about beginning to develop an adult relationship with your teenager. As Katie and I have had these young kids and, and our parenting style has been more authoritative now we've got teenagers. And so that relationship needs to kind of, you know, uh, grow. And for, for me personally, it's not nitpick. You know, I'm very, I, I need more patience. I need to listen more, right? And so 
you know, I, I, you know, part of me creating that culture in our home is going to be stopping focusing on these little things that annoy me, and and almost because I don't do that with Katie, right? I mean, she would beat me up <laughs> if I did. <laughs> so, so I need to, you know, these young adults in the home are. I, I need to start treating them more like adults and recognizing that. So maybe for a lot of people listening that have had young kids, now they have teenagers. That's where Brad, you and I are. You know, it's, it's kind of recognizing that and getting past myself on some of these little issues and then just letting that relationship, because that's going to create more room for joy and laughter, you yeah. know, at the dinner table, for Absolutely. example. Absolutely. I mean, our homes ought to be a place of the most joy-filled, laughter-filled homes. All right. So that being said here, as we wrap up this final segment of, of going through this book, he has a section in here. If you can see this visual, it says authority versus influence and that we should have very high authority at a young age over our two-year-olds. But as the, as the age of the child goes up, our authority should go down and our influence should go up. So no pressure, Kurt, but you've already been through this and you made a comment in the last segment how you still call your dad for advice today as a 55-year-old man. How can we as fathers influence our children to still want to be a, a, a source for wisdom when in, our, in our children's adult years? How did your dad do it and how did you do it to say, I want to be an influence, not just an authority? Well, I mean, I think it's, I know my dad loves me. I know he cares for my best interest and he has lived a life, not perfectly, but a life consistently and a life of wisdom. And so I know that when I, when I ask dad something, it's going to be loaded with wisdom. In fact, I just asked him about, you know, a certain thing around, uh, you know, about how do I handle a difficult situation? And he, he just said, I, I think, I think you ought to do this. And he just laid out, I'm going, Oh my goodness. I am so glad I asked him. And, uh, when we men, when we, when we go to the Bible, when we go to Scripture, when we go to truth, and we live it out, again, not perfectly, but consistently, and that's our heart's intent, um, I think then that, that's our influence. And the kids know that we are for them. We're, I, know, I know my dad is for me. And your dad, the farmer dad, the reaping and sowing, you saw it physically with farming, but he sowed those seeds in your life growing up. Right. I mean, he was he was consistent through your childhood. So where he can now he can reap the benefit of a son who picks up the phone and calls him because he sowed those seeds in your younger years. Yeah. Right. So much. So. um, So it's and by the way, the the phrase keeps coming to my mind. It's never too late. It's never too late. No matter what you have done, it is never too late. So we're going to be uh, wrapping up here. And, and we got to pray. Yeah. Uh, guys, thanks for coming in. It's been awesome to have you, Brad and it's Gabe. It's been awesome to hang with you guys. Uh, thank you. Thanks for coming in. Gabe, would you pray for us just real quickly? Pray yeah, for too. us dads, please. Yep. Father, one thing we know we need from you is wisdom. Uh, Lord, I pray for these dads that are with me and, and those listening, uh, moms and dads. You know, Give us wisdom, Lord, please. And that, we know that that comes from your word. Thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, May what, how we parent and what we do, may it bring you glory. That is our goal as followers of Christ. We want to glorify your name and lift you up and praise your name. Um, Lord, thank you for the wisdom on this show and, and for Kurt uh, and my brothers here and for Chad and Brad as well uh, and for this ministry. Uh, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. So remember, uh, we keep quoting the book of Proverbs. And if you go back to the very beginning of Proverbs, you realize the context. It is a father 
speaking to his son. And uh, we are fathers and mothers, but we are fathering our, our children uh, because we love them, we care for them. And the Proverbs father is telling these things to his son because he doesn't want his son to lead on a path to destruction. And so that's why we parent our kids, because we don't want them to go on a path of destruction. And ultimately, we're parenting them to walk with and follow God and fear and love him. And uh, we pray that's what you're doing as a dad, and it gets never too late. Mm-hmm. Your father in heaven wants to father you while you're fathering your kids, and it's a great trip. So uh, thank you for listening. We uh, hope you enjoy it. Pass this along to someone else. Go to Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, and type in Solid Steps Radio, or you can go to furtherstoneministries.org. Click on it to hear all of our shows commercial-free. Thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio.